Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and man, I have had just the absolute best couple of days. It's unbelievable how how simple and good life can be. Uh, so I've worked Monday and Tuesday night. Those were not the best couple, uh, couple of days, obviously. But then Wednesday... Uh, got up my my son who is going into middle school what has been doing a sort of middle school summer camp type thing in the mornings where he goes and does cool projects that are kind of uh demonstrative of what he's going to be doing in middle school and get gets used to the school like it's actually a really cool concept he's been really enjoying it and is super excited now and i wish i had had the opportunity to do that before i went into middle school it would have been nice to get familiar with the the building and everything and the personnel before that first shocking day of sixth grade but anyway that's what's been going on so yesterday uh he got home i obviously i'm sleeping because i've been working nights uh he gets home and he who is way more up on video game stuff than i am at this point has discovered there is a very special event going on at the Best Buy out at Mall of Georgia where you can go and play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 uh, on on the site, and it's not coming out for like another month. So this was very cool, and I was into this idea. I, I you know, Mall of Georgia is a bit of a hike, but we do go out there from time to time because there's lots of stuff out there to occupy. Like, you can spend a day out there because they've got... Um, second and Charles, where you can go and look at records and toys and video games and basically everything. It's my current favorite retail store. Uh, and then you've also got Target out there. There's a Walmart out there that's far, far nicer than any Walmarts that are around our area. Uh, they actually keep stuff stocked. As a matter of fact, I found uh, the Bob Backlund exclusive figure that is only available at Walmart out there. And then a new basic series randy savage that's very wcw riffic i don't know that it is actual wcw macho but it looks that way i'll have to look up that gear and find out but anyway uh, i'm collecting the wcw elites so that was a good find for me and they had plenty of other new stuff too including these incredible new fortnite figures now i don't play fortnite at all uh and even even Phantom Jr. isn't playing it as much right now because it's. I think it's just gotten kind of stale, but he still loves the character designs and everything. And there are brand new um, six-ish inch scale. They're about the same size as the Black Series figures. Uh, Fortnite figures from Jazzwares of all people. Now, I'm usually pretty wary of Jazzwares because in the past their stuff has just fallen apart. They've had quality control problems. They usually have pretty good designs, but the figures just aren't great. These look amazing. They come with like nine accessories each. Guns and pickaxes and backpacks and grenades and all kinds of business. They just they blew my mind. The packaging was beautiful. It was one of those toy finds where I walked in. I didn't even know this thing was going to exist. And it just caught my eye and blew me away. So I grabbed all four of them for him. Uh, because he's, he's a good kid. 
Yeah, he he works hard. He behaves, and uh, when I see something like that that I know he's going to love, I just can't help myself. So I grabbed all four because they. Um, he he and his mom stayed out in the car while I ran into Walmart because we all kind of hate Walmart. But I had to go in there to see if they had the Jabba's Palace playset, uh, the vintage collection that's out now that's Walmart exclusive because Hasbro is stupid and won't stop making things Walmart exclusive, even though Walmart is the devil and the worst place in the entire world. Uh, but anyway. Found the Fortnite figs uh, in this the glorious, like well maintained, well stocked Walmart. Went back out to the car, uh, went and had some barbecue. Ran all over Mall of Georgia land. Went and played Marvel Ultimate Alliance three, and it's it's great. I haven't had that much fun playing a video game uh, as much as I loved the Resident Evil two remake. Uh, it w- it was cool, but it it wasn't. It didn't have that kinetic God of War you know, button mashy fighting fun, I guess. Uh, so we're, we're pre-ordering that immediately and I'm going to do a full write up on our experience playing the demo on needless things, podcast.com. That should go up next week. But, uh, it, it was, we, we just had a great day. We went to the think geek store. They had 25% off action figures and they had all the new action figures that I can't find anywhere else. I got the new nun, uh, retro Neca figure. Uh, I got all the, uh, some of the new Mego horror figures that I haven't seen anywhere else. And I don't want to pay for shipping. Uh, that think geek store, if you've got one near you, it's great. It really, really is. And the, uh, that mall of Georgia one, the staff is fantastic. As a matter of fact, uh, I saw somebody who was recognizably an authority figure and, uh, he turned out to be the store manager and I went and told him that, that his store is great. His staff is great. We always have a wonderful experience in there. Uh, but yeah, 25% off action figures makes the, the think geek markup price. Uh, it brings it down or I guess think geek slash GameStop markup price it brings it down to less than msrp so it's worth uh picking stuff up there but but usually it's worth picking stuff up there anyway because they get it long before walmart and target and uh it doesn't get smashed and destroyed and i have sticky nasty doo-doo fingers put all over it before you get to it uh so there you go we we just really had a wonderful day yesterday and then last night i recorded today's episode I came home and I talked to Bobby Nash, award-winning Bobby Nash, uh, about cartoons for a little over an hour. We just had a great conversation, and as with every podcast ever, we barely scratched the surface, but we had a wonderful conversation about kind of the early era of cartoons and then the end of the 80s, which of course is both of our sweet spots. Uh, Great conversation. You're going to enjoy it. But before we get to the fun stuff, well, it's all fun stuff, right? Before we get to the non-business stuff, I got a little business to take care of, and that is last week uh, I attempted to run a contest for Bobby Nash's Snow Series for a digital download, and it just didn't, I I didn't get it over right, or I I tried to use Twitter, which I hate uh, almost as much as I hate Walmart. So that was silly, and I shouldn't have done it. So instead, what we're going to do this week, uh, we have a digital download of the Snow series from the award-winning Bobby Nash. This is like his signature book. We talk about it a little bit in a minute here. Uh, You can get this completely free. We will send you the download code, and you will get it, and you will be able to listen to the audio versions of uh snowfalls snowstorm and snow drive uh which are excellent thriller type books that that are fast-paced action-packed cool cool 
like crime stuff. Uh, but you can get them totally free. All you have to do is go to any of Needless Things social media outlets, and that includes uh, my Facebook account, Dave West. That includes Needless Things on Facebook. That includes Needless Things on Twitter, Needless Things on Instagram, Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram and Twitter, any of the associated Needless Things accounts, there is going to be a penned post. I'm not sure if you can do that on Instagram, but if you search through things, I'm sure you can see it. Uh, but you're going to be looking for the post that relates to Bobby Nash's Snow Series. You'll know it when you see it. All you have to do is repost it, share it, retweet it, whatever. Just like it and share that thing, and we're going to pick a random winner in two weeks because i'm on vacation next week in two weeks we are going to pick uh, a winner to get a free copy of the snow series uh audio version so get out there check out our social media and uh re repost retweet like do do all the stuff and we'll pick a random uh person to receive that for free we'll just email you the code and you're done it's easy it's very easy uh, and before we get into tune time with Bobby Nash, I want to talk to you a little bit about that vacation that I just mentioned. Uh, I'm pulling up the website right now, which is AugustaToyAndComicShow.com. Now, you can also go to Facebook and find them. You can go to Instagram and find them. Again, we're all adults here. We know how to use Google. Uh, but the Augusta Toy and Comic Show and Joe Fest, it's funny to me how, how just like Toylanta, you know, started off as the Great Atlanta Toy Convention and Joe Lanta combined into Toy Lanta. Uh, again, something similar seems to be happening here where you have a toy and comic show and a G.I. Joe show that are joining forces. Uh, so what we've got here is a fantastic, like, day and a half show, I guess it is. Uh, it's, it's in Augusta, Georgia. And the reason that I have ended up going is it's on the way to Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where uh, me and Phantom Jr. are going to be going. Uh, poor old Mrs. Troublemaker has to stay home with the dogs because we have nobody to watch our four insane dogs, uh, or, or our house for that matter. Uh, so me and Phantom Jr. are hitting the road, and our first stop is the Augusta Toy and Comic Show. This is incredible. I'm going to have a full post about it on NeedlessThingsPodcast.com this coming Monday, uh, June the 17th. But what you need to know is that it is Friday and Saturday, that is June 21st and 22nd, in Augusta, Georgia, it is at the uh, Augusta Doubletree Perimeter Hotel, and it looks awesome because it's a big old toy show. As a matter of fact, they just released the map of the, the vendor room and all the vendors that are going to be in there, but this thing has incredible guests as well because it's got folks that worked on the G.I. Joe toy line that are going to be there. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter is going to be there. I get to reconnect with one of the first celebrities I ever met years ago. Uh, they've got panels. They've got the schedule up on AugustaToyAndComicShow.com right now. Uh, but some of these guests are absolutely incredible. Kirk Bazigian, who who is the, you know, I, I often refer to Larry Hama as the father of G.I. Joe, and it's true. He created all the backgrounds and all the stories for the comics. But Kirk Bazigian is the guy, Bazigian, Bazigian, I don't know. I'll find out when I meet him. Uh, he 
created the Joe line itself. He was the Hasbro executive who made G.I. Joe a real American hero happen. Uh, you also have Keona Young, who voiced Storm Shadow on G.I. Joe, a real American hero, but also was Woo on Deadwood, which I did not realize until I started looking into this. But he, he's been in tons and tons and tons of other stuff, like many voice actors from the 80s. Uh, awesome guest. I'm super excited to meet this guy. Uh, one cool thing that I like about the Augusta Toy and Comic Show is if you go to the website, they've got the pricing for the guests up here so you know beforehand uh for instance kiona young uh 60 bucks for the photo op and the autograph 40 dollars for the autograph 40 dollars for the photo op so it's very straightforward you can figure out how much you need to have uh they've got tons of cosplayers are going to be here our pals uh brian and sarah and noel and rebecca from the finest gi joe cosplay group are going to be in augusta matter of fact our pal bobby nash is going to be there wandering around uh, he is not there in an official capacity, but he's going to be there hanging out because the show looks awesome. Uh, Hank Garrett, uh, who voiced Dial Tone on the G.I. Joe show, is going to be there. Larry Hama is going to be there. And, and and you know what? I'm sitting here looking at the pronunciation, and it might be Hama? Ah, I'm so bad with these written uh, names. And, and the really sad thing is I've done two panels with Larry Hama at Dragon Con, which you can find in the uh, Needless Things podcast archives. Uh, but he is going to be there. Uh, you know who else is going to be there? This this one I love. Ron Rudat, who is the first person I ever knew uh, to have a G.I. Joe. Like, the first time I was aware that they named Joes after people was Dusty, uh, who, who was named after ron rudat uh because his name is uh dusty tater i can't remember his first name right now but but it's an anagram for ron rudat and it's great i love that and actually the figure of leatherneck was based on rudat's appearance uh but he had a big hand in the gi joe line he designed every character from 81 to 86 and also worked on the hasbro wwf line which as you guys may know is kind of a big deal to me uh at the moment uh, we also have uh, just all kinds of guests. Bobby Vala, who worked on uh, Marvel Legends, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, and worked on the G.I. Joe line. He is launching a new 6-inch military toy line, which they have just revealed the first pictures of. And, uh, you know, obviously this guy independently cannot create a a Marvel Legend or Star Wars Black Series-style G.I. Joe line but that's basically what he's doing. Uh, he can't use the characters, but the, these figures look amazing, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of inspiration taken from G.I. Joe, uh, hopefully a real American hero. All kinds of awesome guests and artists and people who have been in the toy biz, uh, plus all the dealers. The dealers alone would have been enough to get me out there, but uh, it's really these guests that put me over the top and made me decide that we're going to stay for a couple of days and, and do everything we can to enjoy uh, the Augusta Toy and Comic Show. So get on Google, check this thing out, see if you're interested, if you're anywhere near the area. I think it's going to be a really awesome show. I'm super stoked about it. Uh, and then on Sunday, we will head on to Wilmington, where I will hopefully get some material for future episodes of the needless things podcast i i always go there with the intention of getting some cool stuff and i did get uh, our great memory lane comics episode 
But, you know, I, I get there and I just want a vacation because that's what I'm there for. So I may or may not do some work uh, once we get to Wilmington, but I will definitely be covering the Augusta Toy and Comic Show on social media. So be sure and follow Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group and uh, Needless Things on Facebook. Give that a like. And remember, find that pinned image of the Bobby Nash giveaway and like it and share it re redo whatever it is you have to do with it regoogle it can you regoogle things now uh, you should be able to i think uh but anyway there you go that's everything that's going on this week now this this wonderful wonderful week today even today's been great i even though i had to go pick up my car uh which was uh, i was getting the oil changed uh, because i i don't do that myself i'm, I'm just i'm not car I hate it. I hate that shit. Uh, so I was getting my oil changed, and I was supposed to be getting a new wheel because uh, one of them was bent. And, of course, it turns out that my car has a very odd size and type of wheel, and none of them are available in the state of Georgia. So I'm going to have to get on eBay to buy a wheel for my car, which is ridiculous. But you know what? Even that cannot spoil this wonderful couple of days that I'm having Uh just hanging out with the family, doing fun stuff, reviewing these new Fortnite figures with Phantom Jr., which that review will be up on the site soon. Uh, just good, great times. I hope you and your families are having wonderful times as well, and I hope they last. And, and I hope we all remember to, that, that we can do a lot to make them last. Uh, and now it's time for more wonderful times with our pal the award-winning bobby nash we're going to talk about cartoons we're going to talk a little bit about the snow series and just have a great conversation that you guys are going to enjoy gentlemen what a wonderful conversation we are going to have for you on this week's episode of the needless things podcast because it is tune time and here to talk to us about cartoons is our pal award-winning bobby nash hey, hey, hey now bobby before we get into tune talk uh we have to discuss what brought us together uh at this time what's going on Tell us about the snow stories, the snow series that you've ah, got. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, uh, snow is a series that I'm I'm currently in the process of writing. It's an it is an action thriller series. Really, the books are my love letter to the shows I grew up watching, like Magnum PI and the Rockford Files and the A Team. Those kind of, that gives you an idea of the kind of stories we're telling. There's a lot of action and a lot of thrillers and gunfights and car chases and just all the stuff that, you know, I grew up loving and I wanted to put in stories. So and this is a series you've been working on for quite some time now as well. Uh, yes. Well, it's been a couple. It's been a few years. Yeah. Because uh, I originally had sold it to a publisher who put out the first one. Then three years passed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I got my rights. Then I got my rights back and the rest of them started getting published. Nice. Um but, yes, yeah, so we're up to four books now. There will be at least two more uh, this year. Uh, they come out in paperback, and 
ebooks and we're doing hard co- uh, collections where we collect three at a time and we're doing hardcovers and paperbacks but we're also doing audiobooks which is a a new thing for me as a as a indie publisher to do and so we started uh, the audiobooks with the snow series and um, I'm working with a, a fantastic uh, narrator uh, Stuart Gofi who is just really really fantastic he gives all the characters their own voices and inflections so even if you know even if I he wasn't saying Snow said you would know who it is after you've listened to one of them because all the characters have their own sounds when he's yeah, uh, yeah. and he does such a really good job and he's fantastic and he's he's just just wonderful and I can't I can't you know, praise Stewart's work enough. But um, one of the things we're doing to get the word out, we have uh, the first four are available on audio. Uh, you can get them through Amazon, Audible. Hey, you know, Audible. You know, you, you get to, when you first sign up for Audible, you get free. You know, two free. So there's options there. Um, but um, we also have just this. Uh, the most recent release is the Snow Series One Volume One which collects the first three stories, which is Snowfalls, Snowstorm, and Snow Drive into one collection. And so we're, to get the word out, we're doing a, giving away a prize pack. And so we're going to give uh, to one of your Needless Things uh, listeners, we're going to give away a prize pack that includes the audio version of uh, Volume 1, which has all three books in it, or the first three books in it. And we're going to give them an ebook copy of Snowfalls, which is book one. That is awesome, and I was very excited because I mean, well, anything, anytime I can involve myself in the life of Bobby Nash is a good time. <laughs> but I was really happy to be able to do some sort of cross promotional deal here, and, and to, uh, to you know to get to get snow out to the masses. Absolutely, you know, and as an indie publisher, I mean, we do. I mean, it's. You, we're at this great great time in our lives where it's easy to get the work out there, but that also means it's easy for everybody to get the work out there. And so we have to, you know, and I don't have the budget of a Simon and Schuster or any of those guys, so we have to to do whatever we can to get the word out. And I'm I'm very proud of the series. It seems to be one of the most uh, well received by readers of anything I've done. Uh, everybody seems to like it. So I'm hoping to continue. Well, I, I tend to think of it as kind of your signature series. Hey, that seems to be the case. Yeah. It seems to be the one most people seem to think of. Well, cool. We will announce, uh, in, in we, or I will have already announced the contest rules, uh, prior to this. And I'll announce them again, uh, again, after the conversation is over, but I'm really excited to be part of this, and I encourage everyone uh, to check out Bobby Nash on the Googles. And, and actually, let's go ahead and knock it out. We'll do it again at the end of the show, but where can we find you online? Uh, certainly. Um, well, um, Snow is published by my imprint, Ben Books. We actually, uh, So you can go to www.ben-books.com. There's a Snow tab there. It'll give you all the information on Snow, plus my other books that I, I handle myself. And of course, my website is bobbynash.com, and there's information there. And I'm on, I'm on uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook is author at author Bobby Nash. Uh, Twitter is at Bobby Nash, and Instagram is at Bobby Nash Writes. 
Very cool. Everybody, go track down Bobby Nash. Uh, check out his stuff. And uh, be sure to leave reviews on anything Please. that you do. Reviews are, are the most important thing you can do for an independent publisher or for a podcast. And and I never push this enough. Uh, please leave reviews on iTunes for, for us as well. And and if you if you don't win the contest and you're still interested, like I said, with Audible, you can if you sign up for Audible for the first time, you get two free downloads. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, which is a subscription, it's kind of like a Netflix for eBooks, where you pay a subscription and you can read anything that's Kindle Unlimited for free. All of my Ben books books are uh, free to Kindle Unlimited readers. Awesome. All right. Now, it's tune time, Bobby Nash. It's tune time. I'm very excited. I love me some cartoons. Well, I've, I've been wanting to record uh, a cartoon-centric episode, and, and uh, believe me, there will be plenty of these over the years. We, we did one with Michael Gordon a few years ago that had a little different theme, uh, but... I've been wanting to do one lately because my cable carrier, uh, the lovely and wonderful Comcast slash Xfinity, stopped carrying Boomerang, mm-hmm. uh, which was my go-to default. Like, when I was a kid, and I've talked about this on the show before, uh, and actually I'm curious to see if you had something like this, Bobby, uh, I would have default channels where when I was doing stuff, I would just put it on and it was mtv like in the 80s when i was a kid you just left it on mtv Mm -hmm. and you'd clean your room do your homework whatever you you weren't necessarily engaged in what was on but it was there it was like comfort background stuff and for the past couple of years boomerang had been my default channel that if i was doing things i just put it on boomerang and they'd be showing classic Tom and Jerry, like the Chuck Jones stuff. Uh, they had uh, old Looney Tunes, uh, and they they chose some newer stuff too. But for the most part, twenty four seven Boomerang had something on that I was interested in, uh, and they pulled it. And now it's no longer accessible. You can still get it through the Boomerang app if you've got like a Roku or whatever. But I'm not paying for a channel when we've got billions of channels already mm-hmm. yeah i we, we have not had boomerang in my area for quite some time quite oh, a number of years that's so, tragic yeah oddly enough my default now i can't have the tv on when i'm writing but yeah sure. if i'm cleaning or i'm just just milling about doing whatever defaults for me these days uh depending on whether it's during the week or on the weekends but it's um oddly enough it's it's heroes and icons or the El Rey Network because oh. during the because they're playing all the old stuff I like you know they're playing you know they're playing all the Star Treks or they're playing uh, uh, the El Rey Network is probably one of the better sci-fi channels we have yeah El Rey is during, great you know, during the day you're getting two Stargate shows the Hulk Knight Rider A Team you know all the cool stuff I grew up watching so yeah those are kind of the it's if if I'm just piddling around it's on one of those. I can see Heroes and Icons being much more up your alley. Because, see, it's funny you mention that. That was my default channel for a couple of years before I... It's what I switched from to Boomerang. Because a few years ago, I discovered Heroes and Icons. Uh, I was sequestered in a hotel for work, and this channel 
came on, like when I got back to the hotel after work, I turned on the TV and they were playing Star Trek original series, then Next Generation, then Deep Space Nine, then Voyager. Yep. And I was like, what is this channel? And then in the morning when I got up to go to work, they were playing Kung Fu followed by Man from Uncle. No, no. And when I got back home, I was like, I have to find this channel. This is the greatest channel ever. And so not only were they playing all those shows, they were playing Incredible Hulk, Greatest American Hero, um, Sheena, Swamp Thing. Um, like, when I first discovered Heroes and Icons, it was much more pop culture nerd stuff. And now it seems like everything is cop shows. Yeah, they and do it, cop shows during like during the day, and they do westerns in the morning, cop shows in the day, Star Trek at night, and then the weekends you get a little more. Well, Saturday is like cop shows. Well, but and now, then, and now yeah. Sunday is just they play episodes of what they play during the week. Yeah, during the day. Yeah, I, I was <coughs> so disappointed when they started changing the format like that because now. Like, if you're not interested in what's on on Wednesday, then it's no good to you all day because it's a marathon of that all day long. Right, right. I, I I loved that channel so much when I first found it, and then they changed it. And I guess it's working for them and good for them mm-hmm. uh, and good for anybody that loves, uh, what is it, Numbers? Uh, num- Jag, Nash Bridges. There's one more. Yeah. That, that House. House. Yeah. So if you love those shows... It's great, but uh, those aren't my bags, so I I had to find something else. But that's okay, because we're here to talk about the something else. Uh, Now, when you were a kid, what was your default channel, or did you have one? Well, I grew up here in the Atlanta area, and, you know, this was, yes, yes, kids, I'm old. This was pre-cable. We had, you know, our networks were 2, 5, and 11. You know, 17 was the Superstation. Uh, WTBA before it became the Superstation, you know, um, and then we had 36 and 46, which were your rerun channels that had all the, you know, and the cartoons. Yes, dude, Channel 46 was it WXIA, right? Uh, I think it's WXIA. Yeah. It just popped into my head. Channel 46 was the one, man. 36 was okay, but 46 was yeah. the one. Yeah, 46 is where you found. Like I remember. Before, you know, it was cartoons in the mornings, but after school, 46 was what it was for me because I'd come home, you know, run through your homework real quick before me and mom made you go outside for a little while. You could come in, you could watch Star Trek and Dukes of Hazard and Batman before she ran you out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, so yes, yeah, so those were, yeah, I grew up watching those and, uh, cause I'm not an early riser, even as a kid, not an early riser, you know. I got up on. I got up early when I had like even Christmas morning. The parents had to come and get me out of bed because oh, it's like it's morning. <laughs> now, see that was, uh, when on school days I didn't get up until I had to get up. As a matter right. of fact, my my mom to this day is still traumatized <laughs> by the experience of having to get me up every morning. Uh, fortunately, my son is an early riser, and we've never had to deal with that. So that's great. Uh, but Saturday mornings, I would get up. I would be up probably six-ish when the cartoon started. Like, I knew every year. I remember, and tell me if you remember this. Every year, the new Saturday morning network schedules would come out 
towards the end of the summer, like in the newspaper. Right, yep. And you'd look to see what the lineup was on CBS, NBC, and ABC and decide how you were going to flip channels every Saturday morning because there'd be like Mr. T and the T-Force on one channel, Mm -hmm. but then Rock and Wrestling would be on another channel, but then the Snorks would be on, like, and you'd figure out, like, okay, I'm going to be on NBC for an hour, and then I'm going to flip over to CBS because ALF is on, and then, and I don't know if that's accurate. It's probably not. ALF might have been NBC. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you'd, you'd see what the new cartoons were going to be. Yeah. You'd see what had stuck around and what oh, it, had been canceled. Yeah, it was like a military campaign. You planned. Yes. This was not something, I'm going to watch TV. No, no. You planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if you missed it, you missed it. There's there was no DVRs, there was no VHS the the time you know, and these things didn't get rerun for months. No, no, and you know now <laughs> the these kids today, they've got their Cartoon Networks that show Adventure Time you know twenty four seven, and even if you don't catch the episode in one of the several dozen times they run it, you can go on demand and just watch yeah. it anytime you want. But back then, uh. If you missed an episode, you had to just hope that maybe nine months later they'd repeat it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you had to time your you timed your bath. You knew how long commercials lasted because you had to get to the bathroom, yes. or you had to, or you had to go get something to drink. You knew I got this long. Absolutely, and I remember. I I, I haven't thought about this in years, but this talking about this right now has brought this memory fresh into my mind. Uh. I remember a friend of mine going over to his house, and there was a Wolfman Jack cartoon. Do you remember this? I do remember the Wolfman Where Jack cartoon. Where he actually turned into a werewolf. Oh. Yep. And he he would have animated adventures with his teenage friends, which was a very common theme for mm-hmm. cartoons back then. Like, one older person, like Mr. T or Wolfman Jack who had, for some reason, a, a group of teenage friends. but and, and a lot of them looked the same, which which we didn't really pay that much attention to then. Right, right. But you realize now it's the same model sheets. They just well, wore different color shirts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because you go back and you look and you're like, okay, I see all of those cartoons were Hanna-Barbera. All of those were Ruby Spears. Mm-hmm. All of those were Sunbow, like, and their character models that carry across. But I remember... Uh, Going to my friend's house and him asking me, did you watch Wolfman Jack this past Saturday? This So this would have been 1984. 1984, I'm nine years old. No, wait. Am I nine? Four, six? No, I'm eight. <laughs> I'm eight years old. And uh, no, I, did, I didn't get to see it. We had to go. I don't know what we were doing. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. He's like, they played the Ghostbusters music video because on the Wolfman Jack cartoon, they would interspersed with the adventures. They would play actual music videos. The real life Wolfman Jack was the host of it too. Yes, if I remember. Yes. He, he like he was there at the beginning and at the commercials. Welcome back! And he's in his, you know, his because he was a he was a disc jockey during the disco era, which was. Yeah, because they had all the they had all the lights behind it. It's like he was, it's like he was hosting the cartoon from a club. 
Well, and it's even because he was he was around even prior to that because he's if you've got the uh, the soundtrack to the American Graffiti movie, mm-hmm. uh, Wolfman Jack is in interstitial pieces between the songs, and he actually will talk like the Mike. I can't listen to Green Onions, the song Green Onions, <laughs> with unless it's got his intro because right. he talks about. I'm trying to keep the vampires away. I got green onions hanging all over this place. And then it goes into green onions. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, Wolfman Jack. And that was another common thing because you had, again, Mr. T and the T-Force. Mr. T at the end of every episode would, would I got a lesson for everybody. And I realized mm-hmm. my Mr. T and my Wolfman Jack probably sound very similar. <laughs> uh, but then you had Richard Pryor had Pryor's Place. Yeah. Uh, and he he was part of it. So like a lot of sort of adult celebrities had Saturday morning stuff. Well, in TV shows that continued past the TV era, like you know Gilligan's Planet, where the the castaways are you know kidnapped by aliens and yes. they're like lost in space, or you know Fonzie, you know the the the, the Happy Gang. Uh, Happy Days Gang had a show. The, the Dukes of Hazard had a cartoon. Star Trek had a cartoon. Well, and I uh, wonder a lot of that because this is if if uh, for the listeners, if you're following me on Instagram, on Facebook, on whatever, or if you are checking out Home Again, which is the column I write every single Tuesday about the current Blu-ray and 4K releases, then you know that the new Scooby Doo movies just came out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. They're gorgeous, but when I was a kid, that was my Scooby-Doo with Sandy Duncan and uh, Don Knotts and the Harlem Globetrotters and Batman and Robin. Well, it, it felt like it was something special because we had Scooby-Doo on right during the week, but ooh, here's this something special because not only is it Scooby-Doo, it's yeah, whoever the guest was, and it was a big deal for us. Oh, you know. it was huge. It, well, and it almost ruined normal Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Because when you'd see the regular episodes from the 60s come on, you'd be like, wait, why isn't Batman in this one? <laughs> so when you were a kid, what are, you know, we've we've talked about, oddly enough, we started with some more obscure stuff. Yeah. Um, what What are your earliest cartoon memories? Well, I most of my earliest ones come from the summer because I would go and stay when I was a little kid. I would stay with my grandparents during the day during the summer while my parents worked. And so that meant getting up early during the summer and going off to my granny's house. And she would like turn the TV on and, you know, watch whatever. And I my early memories are Yes, things like Scooby Doo, um, Fred Flintstone, the Flintstones. But I also remember now these were in reruns. I'm not quite that old, but sure, they sure. would show <laughs> they would show reruns of the um, oh god, the Hanna Barbera superheroes, the uh, uh, Johnny Quest, and 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 um, I'm blanking on names now, but the go, uh, Space Ghost and Herculoids. And, yeah, Space Ghost and was the Galaxy Trio. Yeah, right? those guys. Yeah, and so I remember watching those, and that's where that was my first uh, introduction to the Fantastic Four and uh, things like that. Those, so those are my earliest memories was those and, and Dick Tracy and things like that because they 
in the mornings during the summer they would just they would replay those and you'd have cartoons on all day or, or at least half the day and so those were you know those were my earliest memories and that was i think that's where a lot of my love of the superhero or the adventure characters came from were those early days of you know, watching these guys fly through space and fight aliens and fight monsters and things like that. And I was, I I was intrigued. And then of course, when you get rushed outside, okay, go outside and play, (laughs) you go outside and you're by, I was by myself. It was just me. So my going out and playing was me imagining myself in the adventures of, you know, these, these people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so a lot of that, you know, kind of like playing when I, uh, I know we talked about this with playing with the toys for the Joy of Joe thing. You know, that, that that's where the some of the writing stuff came in for me because I would start writing my own adventures in my head and creating these own things in my head of things just for me to go play. Well, it inspired us to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's, it's it's funny because my... In all likelihood, my first superheroes were Adam West and Burt Ward. Mm-hmm. The, those are my earliest and strongest memories of that kind of thing. Yeah. I think before them, though, for me, probably, like, if you're talking like modern day superheroes, would have probably been the Super Friends first. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I know because in my head, I, I very clear, I don't have like, the best recall of my youth there's specific points in time specific memories that i do remember like like my friend saying you missed the ghostbusters video <laughs> uh, but i do know for a fact that in my head that Mego batman and robin were adam west and burt ward even though they weren't in my head that's what they were because that's right. what i related them to and the uh the Mego spider-man was the the old old uh, Spider Man cartoon? Yes, the sixty Spider Man cartoon. Yes, yes, yes. I used to. My mother used to used to tell this story. Used to embarrass the hell out of me as a huh. kid. Uh, but she would go around telling family, friends, whatever that about you know me. You know, I was still a little kid, but she talking about me outside play. She says, "Yep, I don't know what he's doing, but he's running around there, and she's doing the she's mimicking me like shooting the webs, <laughs> and he's running around the backyard going." Psh, 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 psh. <laughs> and so then I'd have to explain to people I'm being Spider Man. <laughs> well, so, it's, it's funny. I've got a similar thing. Um, I. Well, and this actually ties right into cartoons because th- this is one that I feel is is almost kind of neglected in modern times. But Popeye, yes, I remember Popeye. Yep, Popeye was a big deal when I was a younger kid, and and now he had cartoons sort of through the eighties, but but to me, none of them ever were quite the same as as whichever ones I was watching when I was a kid, which were probably a lot of the 40s theatrical uh, shorts, which... A lot of them were in black and white. I remember yeah. most of the Popeyes were in black and white, yeah. Um, But I remember uh, one summer when we were staying at a beach house with the whole family, and I'm talking like a dozen or more people all in a beach house. Uh, I specifically remember running around playing Popeye. Mm-hmm. And I had made probably my granny buy some spinach 
So, and remember the spinach. There was a certain brand of spinach that had Popeye on the, the can. Yeah, there was Popeye brand spinach. Like it was literally just Popeye, and it had Popeye on the can, and it was that. That was it. I don't think I had that. And as a matter of fact, I'm not even sure I had it in a can. <laughs> I think maybe they had to get some like some other kind, of like frozen spinach, and I don't, I don't remember. But. I got the spinach, and I was like, it's time to play Popeye. I'm going to eat this spinach, and I'm going to power up and run around with my cousin. And uh, I put the spinach in my mouth and immediately spit it out (laughs) because spinach is disgusting. And uh, so instead, I got, and and I think you can get them like this again now, but back in the early 80s, um, cheese balls and like cheetos and stuff came in canisters yeah, in cans yeah so i got a can of of cheese balls and i was eating cheese balls instead of spinach to get <laughs> to get strong which completely goes against what popeye stands for but uh explains a lot about how i look now but uh so yeah i remember running around with my can of cheese balls and going Eating up the cheese balls to get strong. Mm. Plus, I remember we had the, the, like, you know, one of my favorites growing up as a kid was, you know, Tom and Jerry. And yes. you, you could get, like, there would be shows like Tom and Jerry or the Pink Panther. No words spoken for 20 Oh, minutes. my gosh. I love Pink Panther, but you know what my favorite was? The Ant and the Aardvark. Yes. I absolutely loved the Ant and the Aardvark. Um, for some reason, that Aardvark just seemed so cool to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were drawn very into it. was a very odd art style, but I loved it. Well, and- I, see, I was so drawn to those, those stranger... Like, before I knew who Chuck Jones was, mm-hmm. I always loved his Looney Tunes and his Tom and Jerry more than any of the others. Right, because they were always a little weirder, a little more stylized, and just they—they, they, like I said before, I knew who he was. I recognized his work. I was like, I see this. This guy gives it a little something extra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, those those older and it, what's funny is is the other thing I I didn't realize until you know maybe 20 years ago or whatever but that all those old looney tunes all those old disney cartoons tom and jerry those were all theatrical shorts Mm -hmm. it's wild to me that we grew up watching those you know bundled together in a 30 minute or let's be realistic we have commercials a 22 minute uh package you know the tom and jerry show or whatever it may be uh but they were all, you know, most of them were originally these high-dollar, carefully animated theatrical shorts that didn't get dumbed down in budget or whatever until later on when they headed to television. Yeah. Well, that was also the the beauty of those. Watching a Tom and Jerry as a kid... I laugh because they were funny. Watching those same Tom and Jerry's as an adult, I laughed, but for a whole different reason. Because there's subtext in those 
you know, or, and the Flintstones was the same way, or, or you know, any, a lot of them had subtext where there was stuff there for the adults and stuff there for the kids. And as a kid, you didn't get the jokes, all the jokes, yeah. but you got the funny bits. Yeah. As an adult, those jokes took on a slightly different meaning, and so it was one of those things. It, it truly was an all ages appropriate material. Well, and that's, and it's because they were. It's almost the lessons that Pixar has carried forward today. Mm-hmm. Is we, you know because they were being shown before theatrical films, they were for general audiences, and general audience, you know, doesn't mean for kids; it means right. for everyone. Uh, and they they had to do things like you know. Speaking of what you didn't really get as a kid, although anytime Tom or Jerry was trying to woo a female, when you're a kid, you sort of get the general idea of that, mm-hmm. but you don't quite pick up on the nuance. Like one of my favorite Tom and Jerry's is the one with the zoot suit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Where Tom yep. cuts the zoot suit out of the hammock. Uh, it's it's great and it works if you're a kid because it's Tom and Jerry beating each other up. But if yep. you're an adult, you see this like, oh, the guy has to peacock a little bit to get the girl's yep. attention. Uh, like it's it and so all of that stuff that you know those were all around the the what for, 30s and 40s I think yep. of the original yep. shorts, and they all have that. Uh, they're not dumbed down. They're they're very smart, mm-hmm. but also very very broad at the same time. Well, well, that was also a period of time where cartoons were not considered just for kids. They were considered for everybody. Yes. And then, I, and then we went to a period where cartoons were just kid stuff. You know, where that was the general opinion of things. Not from everybody, but I mean, you know, society as a whole sort of, oh, cartoons, that's kid stuff. Well, I and, think in the 70s, everything got so serious Mm-hmm. Because if you look at cinema in the seventies, everything is so violent and angry and edgy and like, I, I think that's probably when things changed a little bit. Cartoons moved primarily to television, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the the mood shifted, I guess. Yeah, but we did get some cool stuff in the seventies. Oh, I, I, sure. I love you know, the seventies. You know. Um, and then by the 80s, I know as we get to the 80s, that's when we started getting more, everything's got to have a moral. Or well, and, and you, also, you everything into, has a toy line. There's a toy line. or there, Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, that's, you know, I love, we, we go from Tom and Jerry, essential, essentially like Tom and Jerry and Looney Tunes, and then we go into Hanna-Barbera in the 60s where we got, what, the Flintstones, the Jetsons, mm-hmm. uh, Space Ghost that you were talking about. Like, all, all that stuff was kind of dominated the 60s. The 70s, uh, where we got some weird stuff, like I think Groovy Ghoulies maybe was 70s. Um, Filmation came into play at that point. Yeah. And... Uh, and that was when the new Scooby-Doo movies became a thing. I think 74, 75 is when those aired. Uh, but then the 80s, to me, the glorious, gluttonous 80s, <laughs> where all of my favorite He-Man, G.I. Joe, like all of those cartoons that define who I am as a human being, <laughs> like that's my shit. Yeah. Now, by the time we got around to the to the eighties, I was just getting to 
you know, because I was born in 71. So by the 80s, I'm 11, 12, starting to get close to teenager You're age. You're not supposed to be watching those things right. anymore. But, but, but in the early the early 80s, it was still, I was still kind of target because I was the target for the toys. Sure. You know, certainly the G.I. Joe cartoon had me definitely in mind. Yeah. Because I was at that age where, you know, you know, of, yeah, the toys were from, you know, the kind of thing I wanted. But yeah, it was, uh, but there was some really fun, fun stuff came out of that era. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's when we got, it's the era of, like I said, the toy tie-ins, mm-hmm. which started with He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, the miniseries, you know, back then, every show launched with a five-episode miniseries yep. that they could run Monday through Friday, and then later on, cut into a special feature that they would show on, like, Saturday or Sunday night. Uh you know, G.I. Joe started with a miniseries, and hu- all the Sunbow cartoons, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Humanoids, all started with a five-episode miniseries. Uh, and you know what? The extra bit, it felt special because of that. Yes, absolutely. And this was an event. I remember the week that, especially G.I. Joe, I remember the week G.I. Joe premiered with their their event. You know, it's one episode, 30-minute episode a day, and it, you know, by God, I had to be home. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, there was there was no missing GI Joe for yeah. me. I mean, as as certainly as you know, and as most of the listeners probably know, GI Joe is is my like it's my central dorkery that all other dorkery is built around. Like it e- even probably over Star Wars, I, I love GI Joe, mm-hmm. and when they would do a miniseries because they had. Three, if I remember correctly, and I, I didn't make notes on this, and my poor old brain is is just sad. You know, they had the show, but then they had uh, the Weather Dominator. Yeah, that was the first miniseries. The weather, the Weather Dominator was that right? I believe that's correct. They had Revenge of Cobra, which yep. was that was the mass device, wasn't it? Yes. And then they had uh, the then it was the, then it went into the show. Then it was like regular episodes. Yes. And then it had, uh, later on, they did the Serpentor. The search for Serpentor was like a five-parter. And that, all of those, you know, got turned into special events where they would show all the episodes, like they'd cut the whole thing together Mm -hmm. into like a feature. But originally they were shown, like we said, Monday through Friday, and... And and unlike regular cartoons, I mean, they had... Come back tomorrow. Here's some scenes for tomorrow's. I mean, they were like a you know, they're yeah. teasing the next. You know, whereas most cartoons when they went off, well, they're done till tomorrow. I mean, they wanted to make they they played these up as huge events, and and they were. To, I mean, to me, you know, that to me that the that having to rush home to see those, and that was my first encounter with that animation style too that GI Joe and Transformers all had, which to me was an is an amazing. Uh, animation style. You know, it's interesting you bring up that animation style because I I hadn't even thought about this prior to us recording right now. But in my notes that I made, I totally overlooked something very, very important. And that is Voltron, Mm G-Force, Battle of the Planets. That's funny. I was just thinking about those. (laughs) Which, which to me, Transformers and G.I. Joe are almost de- descendants 
of that cartoon style mm-hmm. because they're not they're not anime, but they have that flavor, right? That re that that uh, hyper real sort of flavor. You know, it's not obviously it's not Tom and Jerry, it's not the Gummy Bears, but it is portraying reality in an animated sense yeah. and. Uh, what well, okay? Battle of the Planets was the one with the bird people. That was, which, yeah, that was yeah. That was, also, that was, uh, also known as G Force, right? Right. Um, and then Vol- obviously everybody knows Voltron at this point because Netflix's Voltron yeah. show was well, uh, the revival was fantastic. And there were two different versions of Voltron. Yeah, well, I think there were more than two, but the two yeah. main ones were the lions and the vehicles and the vehicles. Yeah. Uh, but but they also those started us on this thing too of stories that went beyond single episode stories. Yes, that actually I think that, had that, arcs. Yeah, that was the first cartoon I remember watching where the story continued through multiple episodes, and you know for me that was awesome because I was not used to that. You see, you know, you know, I was watching because before stuff like that, I was when I got my superhero fix, it was watching things like. Uh, the the 80s Spider-Man or the 80s Fantastic Four or Spider-Woman, those things. And it was one episode, story's done, reset. Next week, one episode, story's done. You know, they were all one-offs. So it was nice to see that. You can also have that villain be a bigger threat because it was a threat that took more than 30 minutes to fix. Well, and that... uh and I'm I'm trying to look up right now. There was another one. the The actual name is Space Battleship Yamato. Oh, Robotech. No, no, no. no this is different um, from Robot Star Blazers. Star Blazers. Yes. Star Blazers. That was another one of the ones yep. that I saw early on. Transor Z mm-hmm. was another one. There was a lot of that anime that made its way over to America in syndication. Yeah, Star Blazers. Star Blazers to me was kind of my Star Trek fix in cartoon form. Yeah, I I really lo- I loved all of those shows. I really dug them, and you know, at the time we had no idea it was imported from Japan. It was just like, wow, look at this cool outer space stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then you know, talking about things that descended from actual anime. You know, we had GI Joe, we had Transformers. Uh, we could do whole episodes on those. But then you also had things like Thundercats, Silverhawks, Tiger yep. Sharks that really were more directly descended from that kind of stuff, it seemed. Yeah, or there was one, what was it called? There was one that was about a, it was on another planet. Brave Star? Brave Star. It was about the marshal that comes yes. into the, the planet Texas. Yes, Brave Star, uh, which, which was Filmation. Mm-hmm. And of course, had the tie-in toy line by Mattel. It kind of had that He-Man feel to it, the it, and it it, yeah. it was uh, it was a Lou Shamer production. It was filmation. It was the same. All of the same people that did He-Man did Brave Star. And actually, there was a big push a few years ago to include Brave Star uh, or do a, a a sort of offshoot toy line of the Masters of the Universe Classics line. Oh, okay. But do Brave Star, and I, I believe me, I supported that a hundred percent because Brave Star, Tex Hex, like mm-hmm. all of those character designs were fantastic. Well, because I remember the one, the one that really stands out for me because I, I did have this toy. I, if I, re- if I remember correctly, was the horse he rode. If uh, you got off six, the horse, six the ho- gun. What yes, the horse would stand up on two feet and had guns. Yes. And- yes. 
and it was just a cool transforming toy with just a couple of twists. He's really tall, and he's got big guns in each hand, and he looks cool, and I was like, yeah, that, that was really fun stuff. Yeah, that was a, a, a fantastic concept that I think came in, if they had introduced it just a couple years earlier, I think it would have taken off a little bit better. Yeah, I but, think Silverhawks had the same problem. I think it missed, it, timing was their issue, because they didn't last very long either. Well, and there were so many shows like that that yeah. got like one season, and now granted, back then, one season of a cartoon was 65 episodes. True, true. So if you're a fan of like Silverhawks or something like that, you've got plenty of material, uh, and you've got a really, you know, looking back at some of those 80s toy lines, I love the fact that, yes, it would be expensive if you suddenly one day decided, you know what, I want to own all the Silverhawks toys. But it's a very limited, like, you don't have a whole lot you have to buy. Right. Uh, I, I kind of like all those, all those like, one-series-and-done experiments mm-hmm. that you got in the 80s, like Inhumanoids, which was a Sunbow cartoon. Yeah. Uh, toy line produced by Hasbro that one of my favorite toy lines ever, but there's just one series and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And then we had, there was a mask, which tried to be oh, like, part, it's part GI Joe, part Transformers. Best of both worlds, my you friend. Know? Yeah. Uh, and, and they all had cool little intro, you know, intros with the music and the, the, the way they animate. Cause you know, they put a little extra oomph into the, the animation yeah. on the intro. Isn't it funny how, how most of those intros, like th- that animation, it's just a notch better. Yeah. It's yeah. So cause funny. I, cause man, those, G, all the GI Joe intros are absolutely fantastic. Well, I mean the greatest, the, the live action animation, anything at all, the greatest intro of all time is GI Joe, the movie. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's nothing that's even half as cool yeah. as as that. Oh my gosh, that song that, is incredible. That battle, at, that battle at the Statue of Liberty is yes. just so beautiful. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, which, speaking of miniseries, you know that that was intended to be a theatrical release, mm-hmm. and after Transformers and My Little Pony kind of tanked, they just sent it straight to to miniseries, and then uh, I think maybe it got a Sunday night feature showing and then subsequent viewings they would just do it as a miniseries like they did with the other five parters yeah it was so funny in 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 one of the best things about my job and you know i get to meet some really i've made interesting cool connections and met new people and made cool friends and i've gotten to know a couple of the writers who worked on these things and so being able to talk to like buzz dixon or flint dilly about oh my gosh writing you know, writing the movie and why did this get changed? And, you know, I, I, we've had some fantastic conversations or, you know, I've asked really cool questions and things like that. I was like, or it's like, holy shit, I didn't know you wrote for Thundar. That's awesome. I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) And now let me, are you, um, and and you may not be, because it may not be totally in your, 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 your field, I guess. Are, are you going up to Augusta for the toy and comic show in a couple of weeks? I, I think I'm going to go up for a day. Yeah, just go up and go for a day. And, Dude. And the, the guest list. How can I not? Right? Well, that was my thing. Is we're, We were planning a, a trip to Wilmington to see my parents. And Augusta is 
it's not a halfway point, but it's on the way to Wilmington. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to see this Augusta Toy and Comic Show, and oh my gosh, like the toy show, the the toy vendors alone were enough where I was like, cool, maybe we'll stop there for a day. But then you look at the guest list, and it's like all the biggest names that worked on G.I. Joe, not just the toy line, but also Larry Hama from the comic book. Um, just, wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Ron Rudat, who was who worked on G.I. Joe and on the WWF Hasbro line. Uh, and then it's it's crazy. The guest list is amazing. Like, it's worth the trip just for that. Like, even if we weren't going to Wilmington, I'd go up to there for this thing. And in the and you know back back when GI Joe was on, you, you didn't know who was voicing all the characters at the time. I mean, it's not you, like you didn't realize one guy was voicing like a dozen people. Right, right. It's not <laughs> like like by the time you get to Batman the animated series where they had a cast list. But I remember this is like it, it floored me when I saw the guest list for this convention, and I'm looking it up, and I realized I had not realized that Keon Young. Was Storm Shadow right? Because I've loved him in other things. Yeah, he's Mister yes. Wu on Deadwood, you know. Um, and to find out that he he he's Storm Shadow, that it's just you know it blew my mind. Or to see you know over the years, obviously you you get to know these things as you get older, and you see them around and other things like the guy that the guy that was Duke. You know, I've seen him in other things, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, it's that guy. <laughs> well, and Hank uh, Hank Garrett, who was. Uh, Officer Ed on Car 54, Where Are You, and and has been in countless other things, and also voiced Dial Tone on G.I. Joe. Yep. Like, what a what a wild career path so many of these guys have had, and that's the thing, is back in that era, you know, going from the 50s to the 80s, I guess that's like three eras, but you know what I mean, acting was work. Yeah, like these well, and, guys weren't necessarily always celebrities. They were mm-hmm. people looking for jobs, right? And you weren't always. And there was a time too when working in TV was not was you know you kind of look down on that. Oh, right, you work right. on TV, it's because you're not good enough to work in movies. And if you're doing voice work, that means you're not good enough to be an actor. And that you know that's, that's totally changed. Those 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 perceptions are totally gone these days. And a lot of these voice actors are now realizing that there is demand for people to meet them because people like us who grew up going, Oh my God, these people are such an funniest thing to me is a few years ago at wizard world here in Atlanta. Uh, one of the gentlemen that wrote for the original masters of the universe cartoon was there. He had, uh, or actually, you know what? He may have been an animator. I actually, I, off the top of my head, because I hadn't planned on discussing this. Off the top of my head, I cannot remember exactly what part he took, but he worked on the original cartoon. And we talked to him for a little bit, and he said, "I had no idea people were interested in this." Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a funny bit. There, there was a show last year that was in North Carolina. It was a an, mostly anime uh, actor or voice actors were a lot of the guest list because it was a toy themed show, and they had. A, and so they were interviewing some of the guests and putting out videos to, to before the con. And they had Alan Oppenheimer on there, who, of course, is oh, Skeletor. Yeah, yeah. Among his many other credits of being in, like, the $6 million man, et cetera, et cetera. He's ta- so he's talking about being Skeletor. And he's like, in the interview, he mentions that he talks to the guy that, that voiced He-Man 
quite frequently. And he's like, I am trying like crap to get this guy to come to shows. And I tell him, I like, dude, come to the show. And he's like, nobody cares. He's like, man, I tell you what, if you come to the show, there will be a line around the building to meet He-Man. And it's just, but it's it's one of those things. But it's 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 kind of the mindset. And a lot of the older actors took them a while to get out of that when conventions became a bigger thing, because like you said, it was a job. You you weren't right. expecting people right. to care later. And yeah, so I'm I'm loving meeting these guys that you know were such a big part of my my youth. You know, I was a big you know because you could be a big fan of these guys and never know who they were. You know. Well, and what's great to me is is out of the writers, voice actors, animators that I have met, um, none of them poo-poo that work. Right. They all, uh, you know, while it was just a job, I've never met a one that says, oh, that was just some bullshit I did back in the day. Like, they're all, you know, they they may not take it as seriously as we do, but they're always appreciative of your attention. Mm-hmm. There's never an attitude of, I don't know why you care about this junk. Like, they've all been very cool and very happy to talk about what they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's been my that's been my experience as well. And because <clears throat> over the years, I've got to meet a lot of them, you know, from doing cons and stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, the coolest thing having a conversation with, uh, you know, with Optimus Prime and, and Megatron sitting next to each uh. other. You know, or, you know, I've gotten to know uh, Samantha Newark over the years, who was the voice of Jim from Jim and the Holograms. Yes, or, yes. You know, and sometimes you'll be talking, and you get to know them as them, and you, know, you, 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 you kind of forget that, but then every once in a while they'll, they'll say something, and it's in that right voice or that right tone, and you're like, holy shit, that's Optimus Prime. <laughs> 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 you know, and it's just, it's it's one of those really just cool things, and yeah. And and when we got all that because we loved these cartoons. So let me. Uh, I've got a couple more things. We we didn't even make it to the nineties and to the Disney <laughs> afternoon, and that's okay because that'll right. be a whole other Toon Time episode. Uh, Man, I could do, I could do two hours on Batman the Animated Series by itself. Right. <laughs> well, and and you know what we we the, those may be Batman the Animated Series. And the Marvel shows mm-hmm. because you know I I, I I because I am a badass for the listeners. If you don't know, I have talked to the creator uh, John Simper Jr., uh, who was who was the showrunner for Spider Man the animated series, uh, and I also talked to the showrunners for the X Men animated series. Those are two separate episodes that you can check out on the Needless Things podcast. Uh, available on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. But I want to do fan episodes about those Marvel shows. And you know, right now, the X-Men cartoon, especially this particular week, has been in the news a lot because people are going, man, the cartoon did a better Dark Phoenix version. <laughs> uh, yes, it, and it I absolutely, seen... 100%, I'm sure. Well, okay, yeah. look. I can't say it, it totally did because I have not seen Dark Phoenix because I don't care to see Dark Phoenix. Yeah. It doesn't look interesting to me. A grounded version of the Dark Phoenix story sounds like the dumbest thing since, like, rubber bread. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what that means, but I just <laughs> threw out the dumbest thing I could think of in the moment. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that, the, that, that X-Men animated series 
is rightfully revered by fans. And that one were, and the the '90s Spider-Man series, with the 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 animated version that yes. had the multiple story arcs. And well, so I mean, good that that's the one uh, John Semper Jr., yeah. which you can find him on the Needless Things podcast, was the showrunner for that, and he's essentially the father of the modern animated style because he was the guy that said we can do these story arcs that run an entire season. We can have these characters coming in and out. We can, I mean, this guy essentially invented the Spider-Verse. Right, right. Back in the day. So th- this is, you know, the the Marvel animation of the 90s deserves its own episode because you also had the Iron Man uh, yep. animated show. You had the Fantastic Four show. Um, both And both of those, the first seasons of those were a little clunky, but... The second seasons of both are fantastic. Yes, they got into the groove. They figured out what yes. they were doing. But that's well, a show I, I, for another I, I, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, I, talk, like I said, I can talk about those for hours. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, for right now, we'll 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 cut things off in the eighties. But I want to ask you if you remember a show called Cops and Crooks. I remember one called Cops. I don't know if I, uh, Cops and Crooks doesn't it, ring it a was, bell. Uh, again, because we're talking about the 80s, it had a tie-in toy line by Hasbro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were six-inch figures instead of three-and-three-quarter inch, which was a huge deal back then. Uh, and it was it was fighting crime in a future time. Okay, that is what I'm thinking yes, about. Yes, it, okay. t- it was technically called Cops and Crooks. Okay. okay. Uh, and it was C period, O period, and i do not remember what that stood for uh i'm sure it was something extremely clever a lot (laughs) of voice talent from gi joe it was a sunbow cartoon again uh or no actually now that i'm thinking around it might have been deke i can't remember if it was deke or sunbow uh but i loved the toy line it was very advanced for its time the action features were very cool the show i don't have as many memories of the show and i recently found out why i bought you can go on amazon right now or go on your favorite i'm I'm actually mad at amazon right now i'm not going to say amazon you can go to best buy target any of your favorite online resources uh what is it deepdiscount.com isn't that Mm -hmm. one of them uh and you can purchase the entire series of cops and crooks which i think is just one season uh for under ten dollars i believe on DVD. I did this and I regretted it within the first 10 minutes of the first episode. <laughs> it is so bad. Um, the tone, you know, GI Joe, you can look at things like the dreadnoughts and the fatal fluffies and whatever else. And it's, it's, it's a little goofy at times, but in general, it took itself seriously. Yes. Uh, same thing with transformers. Mm-hmm. Cops and Crooks is so goofy and silly. It's almost like it's aimed at a younger demographic than G.I. Joe, Transformers, Silverhawks, all the ones that we've talked about. Uh, and, man, it, it let me down. Do you remember the cartoon at all? Not a bit. <laughs> it's such a good concept and such a poor execution. Uh, do, you, do you have any memories from the 80s or or the 70s even of a cartoon that you were really excited about that kind of just didn't deliver for you um hmm well you know the, there's some i watched 
there's some I watched then that looking back on them now, I go, why did I like this? <laughs> but uh, at the time, if I if yeah, if it did, if it wasn't working for me, I generally just flipped it over to something else. But um, yeah, nah, nothing nothing springs to mind. Yeah, and that's the thing is I I can't remember a whole lot that as a kid let me down. Uh, I know one of my big issues was the youthful sidekick. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Matt Tracker's son and his little buddy T-Bob from Mask. I never liked Snarf. I never liked Orko. Like, I always hated that little that little dumb sidekick character yeah. that caused half the problems that the main yep. characters had to deal with. <laughs> yeah, the show would have been so much better if it had just killed Snarf. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I never liked those kinds of characters. Yeah. And I think that is a big difference in the animation of that era and the animation of today is that, you know, now people our age are creating the cartoons of today. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, a lot of it was marketing. You know, right. people people can be overly cynical and say, oh, uh, G.I. Joe was just a commercial for a toy line. And that's not true. It's, it was more than that. Yeah. Well, I remember there was a, a point in time where it became a, where the, it became, I forget the organization, it was the Children's Something Television, you know, where they, they came down on the cartoons. And there was a period where... And, he, and I noticed it because I liked, like, the comic books, and I'm looking at the comic book shows where, like, I noticed that, like, you know, Spider-Man could never actually punch anybody in the 70s. You know, I never noticed any of that. I never thought about the fact that, okay, until I got older. In the late 80s, when the Ninja Turtles were, like, bonking people instead of cutting them with their swords. Right, Like, right. that stood out to me. But, like, when I was a kid, I never noticed He-Man not actually punching people. I never thought about it then. Yeah. Well, I think it's, for me, the ones where it stood out were when they, when there were, when they were doing stuff that I saw in other formats. Like, when we, when they started doing Star, remember there were Star Wars cartoons. There was Ewoks and droids. Sure, sure. And it's like, n- nobody ever got blasted. And, like, Star Wars is full of people getting blasted. <laughs> it really but, is, yeah. Things like that, where it was just like something's different here and it took me a little while to like put my finger on what's different oh yeah you know and you know i was but i was i'm a a little older than you so it was i i think at the time i was just i was starting to get to that age where i was starting to phase out for a bit sure where i was i was getting around 12 13 you know started realizing that girls weren't icky you know (laughs) right right and you know so yeah so my 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 tastes were I think were moving out of cartoons and I was starting to notice these things because I was also at an age where I was I was you know I was watching you know movies like Die Hard and, you know you know and that's a, that's a very interesting thing to point out because um and this is a whole other episode we could record that five year difference between you and me when I was twelve and thirteen. And I should have been aging out of that stuff. Uh, you know what came along in 1989, Batman, and in 1990, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Which to me, 
are, and, and yes, I understand Tim Burton's Batman is not a particularly faithful representation of the Batman comic book, but I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I think is one of the best comic book adaptations of all time, those two movies came along were, you know, obviously Batman was accepted by the entire world yeah, in a way that, that very few other movies have ever been. Uh, and then Ninja Turtles came along, and because it was based more on the comics and really had nothing to do with the, the much, much sillier cartoon show, it kind of kept me in, mm-hmm. as opposed to, because those are both violent, uh, edgier, and I hate the word edgy, but you know what I mean here, mm-hmm. edgier movies that were still very comic booky and fantastical. Right. So right when I might have otherwise found interest in other things, these two things came along to keep me invested in these sort of more more fanciful worlds. I think that's kind of where I started coming back into it because this is something, you know, as we're talking about dates here, it makes me think. 1989 was the year I graduated high school. I'm no longer surrounded by people that are going to make fun of me for going, hey, did you watch Batman? Right, (laughs) right, right. So I wonder if subconsciously knowing that you don't have that, you know, where, ooh, I'm free, I'm an adult, I can do whatever the hell I want to. You know, that does play a role, you know. Yeah, that stigma is gone. Yeah. And now you can... You can be interested in whatever you want to be interested yeah. in. Yeah, and the the peer pressure thing kind of goes away. I did find I do find it so funny that like in years after high school, where as the as this this type of entertainment became more main, mainstream, where I meet people who back then used to make fun of me for liking these things, or asking me questions about Star Trek, or asking me questions about Thor, and I'm like, ah, no, no. Go away, you geek. <laughs> but uh, no, but it's just like you know, it's it's funny that how it just it, it it comes around now, and it's like you know, it's like yeah, it's like well, you know, I like this stuff when it wasn't cool to like this stuff. Yeah. Now that it's now that it's cool to like this stuff, sometimes I'm treated I'm not cool enough to like it anymore. <laughs> you know, and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> these are my fandoms. I was here first. I yeah. don't care if he, I don't care if you come in and enjoy it, but I'm not going away. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not well, and that's that gatekeeper mentality. Yeah, uh, it, that that it, that as with many other things we've discussed is a whole other episode. <laughs> uh, so to wrap things up, uh, what lo- looking back, if you had to pick a favorite sort of classic cartoon character or even just cartoon uh like when when we go back and we're talking about popeye looney tunes tom and jerry like sort of that era uh and you had to pick hanna barbera era and you had to pick an 80s era if you had some favorites from those because i feel like those are the the theatrical shorts of looney tunes tom and jerry uh, and then the Hanna-Barbera, the televised stuff of the 70s, and then the big market 80s. If you had to pick some favorites from those eras, what would they be? 
I'd go with Looney Tunes first for the for the for the classic hero. Now, do you do you have a favorite <clears throat> specific character for or or, or shorts? Because you know they had yeah, Bob so Leghorn, many... Wiley Coyote, Bugs Bunny. I'm a big fan of Wiley Coyote and, and the Roadrunner, mm. and anything with Yosemite Sam in it. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So if if Yosemite, yeah, like anytime Yosemite Sam showed up, I'm there. Um, so those were those. So yeah, so those two would be the the Looney Tunes highlights. Seventies, uh, um, just because it had such an impact on me, I would go with. Uh, and I'm gonna put lump these two together because they kind of were together. Mm-hmm. We had a, a Hanna Barbera Spider Man and Spider Man and his amazing friends that were on at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I loved, you know, big Spider-Man fan. Spider-Man is what got me into comics. Dude, Spider-Man and his amazing friends is one of the seminal greatest cartoons of all time. Yeah. And it entered, it, it was also brilliant because it started introducing me to other parts of the Marvel universe. I didn't know. Yeah. Dude, Dracula was on it. Yeah. You know, Captain America's in this episode. And those uh, Stanley, yeah. Stanley. Guess what, true believers? Oh my gosh, that narration by Stan. Was, I didn't know, and I didn't know who he was at the right. time, but I loved it. And that's part of why, because sometimes I, I meet people now that only know Stan because of his stuff with the movies. Right. It's like you don't understand. Stan was like our uncle, you know. And he was, uh, and we didn't even know. We didn't even yeah. really know who he was at the time. But he was that friendly voice who was so excited to introduce mm-hmm. us to Spider-Man's adventures. Right. If I wasn't excited about the episode, because I hadn't seen it yet, right. I was excited for it just from his intro telling me to be excited for it. And he had a way of making you feel like no, no matter what you were about to watch or read, it was going to be the most enjoyable 20 minutes of your life. And you felt like you were in on it. Yes. He made everyone feel like sort of a family. Yes. Like you you were it's it's important that everybody enjoys this thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he had, he had such an energy even just as a disembodied voice in yeah, Spider-Man's yeah. weird world. He had such such power and such energy. Yeah, and 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 those you you know, even though it's not, you know, you could certainly show those episodes without that, but it loses something. Yeah, he he gave them a very unique flavor and character. Yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, I, you know, certainly we could talk about Stan for hours too. But yeah, you know, it's been, you know, there are those who feel like he's just a huckster. But you know what? Part of that huckstering is why Marvel became what Marvel became. Absolutely. You know, there's an old story, and this is just a quick aside. Sure. Um, we're in talking with people that worked in, com- in you know, because after a while, Stan kind of stepped away from the comics and was working for Marvel TV throughout the late 80s and early 90s, and he's trying to get shows off the ground. And th- I watched this documentary about, it was about the making of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I, I found it on YouTube pretty fascinating you should look it up yeah anyways in the process of this they're talking about stan would be stan was involved he would be there meeting with the writers making sure things were going well and you know doing his bit 
And the guy was like, yeah, this is my job. I work on Spider-Man. Stan would come in. He would work on us for his bit. And then Stan would go gather up all of the stuff that he would take. And he was every day, every day he was at movie studios and TV shows trying to pitch Marvel. And for years with no one giving a crap, no one cared. But Stan was out there every day. And the fact that now that Marvel movies are such a big deal, I'm glad Stan lived long enough to see that happen. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of it happened because he was out there beating the bushes all those years. You go online and you can find people willing to be negative about anything. Sure. So, of course, there are people who want to be negative about Stan Lee, but regardless of his creative input, which, by the way, was massive, regardless of his editorial direction and skills, which, by the way, were powerful and important, uh, he, he got Marvel through even Jim Shooter, who's one of the most practical businessmen to ever also be a creative individual. Even Jim Shooter gives Stan Lee tons of credit for the success of Marvel. Mm -hmm. And that guy, like, he's not... I don't, I don't. If you've ever read anything that Jim Shooter has written, like as far as his recollections of Marvel or his... Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about his stories, but just his... Uh, the During the days when he ran Marvel, things that he's written about it, like, he's very straightforward. He doesn't pull punches, uh, but he also doesn't bury people. Um, he, this guy talks about how important Stan Lee is. And, and there's no way around Stan Lee being a critical piece and deserving every bit of credit he gets from the MCU and from any other source for what Marvel is today. Yeah, and, you know, and, and yeah, cause, and you know what? And I know a lot of people will go, well, you know, poor Jack gets left out, and, 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 and that's true. But sure. I, have, I have to think, if Jack Kirby were alive today, he would be, in, he those cameos would be Stan and Jack cameos Absolutely. for a lot of these. Absolutely. I, because Jack Kirby was, uh, I mean, he understood the filmmaking process, too, from all his work and working on cartoons and whatnot. So Jack, and I think if Jack, if Jack were alive, I think he would be front, he would be out there hyping these movies. He would, I think, you know, he would certainly be doing cameos in these movies, and deservedly so. Well, and that's the thing is is people can't seem to to say Jack and Stan were both great. Right. So many people feel like they have to, in order to you celebrate have to Jack. Side, yeah. Right. In order to celebrate Jack, you have to take away from Stan. Well, that's not how life works. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I've been a comic fan for a long time, and I know we got off topic there. Sorry about that. Oh we, no, 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 that's fine. We, I've been a comic fan since I was a kid, so I've been a comic fan for decades, and I love Stan Lee's work, and I love Jack Kirby's work. And as a fan of both, I will say this to to me as a reader, Stan and Jack, separate, never reached the heights that Stan and Jack together creatively were. They were, they were never as good apart to me as a reader sure, sure. as they were together. There was magic that when you when you mixed in the equal parts of Stan and Jack, there was magic that happened that didn't necessarily happen 
when they weren't together. Not to say they were bad when they were apart. Yeah. But they weren't as there was something there was something special when it's like Lennon and McCartney were great separate, but you put Lennon and McCartney together, you get the Beatles. Right. <laughs> um it's that kind of thing. So I yeah. And so yeah, so so yeah, so my my eighties would be Spider Man and his amazing friends, and a large part of that is just because that's really where I got to know a lot of the Marvel universe. Um, 80s, I would go, I'm sorry, 70s for that. 80s, I would go with, uh, obviously I'm going to go with G.I. Joe because it had such an impact on me. Um, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's a dream goal. I want to write G.I. Joe one day. Um, I've tried, I haven't got there, but it's, it's a goal and, and it has to do with that cartoon. Yeah, that was between the cartoon, the comic book, and Larry Hama's uh, biographies for the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's the source of my love for storytelling. Uh, even though the cartoon and the comic books were very, very different things, uh, I, I just, it was a world I was able to really sink my teeth into and get invested in. Absolutely. And it's it's a, there's such a, rich wealth of, I mean there's a wealth of characters there that don't get someone that don't get the attention they deserved and I understand a lot of the, the, the shows which characters were in the shows were really at the whim of Hasbro right. not, so much the, not so much the writers going okay I want to do a kick ass shipwreck and snow job sh- uh, episode it's like no here you've got these guys well and that's why show. that's why we have quick kick in the arctic Yes, with with no coat. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's um. So yeah, so there was weird weird stuff like that, but but I love the the just the the concept of that. You know, to you know that kind. It's almost like it's a Mission Impossible with superhero, almost like superheroes because they all have the colorful costumes. Right. And, right. Well, and, and their and their specialized skill sets. Yeah. And so it's it's very much that Mission Impossible feel where you know Hawk or Duke, whichever one you know one is in charge that week, um, goes in and goes, "Hmm, we've got this problem. Who do I need?" And he pulls up the five he needs and goes, "Great, go solve this problem." Right, right. <laughs> you know, and and it's fantastic that you can solve any kind of problem with the characters at hand without having to create more. But then they keep creating more, so it's it's it's, it's, it's a wealth of them. In- including the threat of the Viper. Yes. The Viper is the coming Viper to Vipe the Windows. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Bobby Nash, we got to wrap this thing up. Ooh, this was fun. I, this was a nice jaunt down memory lane. I haven't thought about some of these shows in a while. And we barely scratched the surface. I think we will absolutely be revisiting this topic in the near future. Um, yes, that's, I'm sure as soon as I we get off off here, I'm going to go, oh, crap, I forgot to mention, yeah. No, that's literally podcasting, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that is that's that is at least 80% of what we do is the after show, oh, shit, I forgot this. But uh, before we go, one more time, uh, what are you up to? Where can we find you online? Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm I'm constantly writing. Uh, I do want to mention the the snow prize pack one more time for one lucky listener. Um, we're you know we'll have all the all the pertinent details here in the show notes. And um, 
so check out Snow at benbooks.com, which is B-E-N-Books. Um, you can find me at bobbynash.com. I'm on uh, Facebook at Author Bobby Nash. I'm Bobby Nash on Twitter and Bobby Nash writes on Instagram. And I, I post a few things every day. So come by, say hi. Um, I've kind of cut back on cons this year. Um, I am planning to do the Augusta show at least one day. I won't be set up there, but I'll be walking around. If you see me, say hi. Who knows? Maven, and you'll probably do this too, I'm sure. We'll probably even have a couple of Joya Joes tucked into a bag with me if you're interested in them. So, yeah, that's right. We we are published together, Bobby Nash. Yes, yes. For eternity. In awesome. Joya Joe. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show for talking about cartoons, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in like a week in Augusta. Yes, as I'm looking forward to it. Should be a fun, fun time. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. All right, see you, man. I forgot to mention part of the reason uh, uh, for my improved demeanor is probably that I've gotten out and started walking again. Uh, Those of you that are longtime listeners know that usually in the early part of the year, sometime around March and carrying through September, I will get in the habit of going and walking at the park. And when I say walking, I'm not like moseying. This is a determined, powerful walk. Uh, but I'll go to the park and walk every day that I can, uh, thanks to my work schedule that is not every day, but I do it a lot. And I know mentally I'm much more positive. I have more motivation for generally everything in life when I get out and do that as often as I can. And uh, definitely that's what's going on right now is I love getting out to the park, walking around, uh, seeing, seeing my geese pals. There's, there's a... Uh, like a, a crane or something out there this year, which is really wild. But that's definitely helped too. So, I mean, anything that you can do to, to get out and do something, I think is positive. And it doesn't necessarily, I mean, obviously you should exercise, uh, but it doesn't even have to be exercise. Just get out there. Uh, and I also, please go check out Needless Things on Instagram, or Needless Things Podcast on Instagram. I just posted, uh, oh, so it'll be, it'll be gone by the time you even hear this, but I, I did an unboxing of some new Coke that I ordered, uh, because of the Stranger Things Season 3 tie-in, and, uh, I don't know, I still think unboxings are stupid, I, I don't know how I feel about it, what do you guys think, Le- leave a comment somewhere, I'll see it, Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, uh, on the WordPress site on NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. Uh, maybe don't leave it on old needless things because I probably won't see it there. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.